3: It's Saturday lunchtime. Which means it's crunch time on SCN. Crunchy fried chicken by Red Rooster.
4: Yes, hello and welcome to this Saturday. It is crunch time, no doubt about that. And it is crunch time thanks to Red Rooster. Crunchy. Fried chicken by Red Rooster. That sounds very good. And you know what sounds good too? Douse it in gravy, boys. That's the way to do that. Around the table we go. Timmy Manor, the great Timmy Manor, the former Parramatta Eel. How are you, Timmy?
2: Fantastic, Joel. Gee, it's good to have some footy back.
4: Yeah, and you're here after a big, big win last night. The Eels, who were losing 16 points to nil, 24 unanswered points. You're up and about today, Timmy.
2: Yeah, it's always good to wake up after a win. Um, you know, I thought I thought the Broncos played you know a lot better than people expected. Um you know, I'm not running to the ticket shop yet to get my grand final tickets, but yeah. I thought you know it was a good start, good to get the two
4: points. Uh, that's the voice of Timmy Manor. Scotty Sattler in the house here. Uh, Sats, we called last night the Newcastle Knights and the Bulldogs. Uh, he was a little upset, Trent Barrett, about some of the calls it sounded like, but I think they had greater issues than that. Uh, but welcome back to the studio.
3: Thank you, Sugar. And Timmy Manor, you know, I've, yeah. I've admired this guy for so long and haven't been in his presence for a long period of time uh, over our Careers and post rugby league, so I'm really looking forward to spending a lot of time with Timmy. Like I said, I've admired him for a long time. Watched his documentary on Fox not so long ago, which was called "Reminding." Just uh, one, just one story, just one story uh, about uh, Timmy and his uh, and the foundation. Inspiring, I, I thought, it was absolutely outstanding. Thanks, mate. Yeah.
2: There's a bit of uh, mutual appreciation. I spent uh, most of my childhood in the backyard. Uh, replicating that tackle that you did in the grand final too, so that was me growing up, and uh, it's great to yeah, spend some time with you.
4: Oh, Timmy Manor, Scotty Sattler here. Uh, I tell you what, I, I noticed about Timmy, and I hadn't really your tackle busters, fair dinkum. What about? The, <laughs> oh no, the quads. Oh, the quads. Yeah.
2: Oh, I think talk about my midsection, the uh, the stomach.
4: <laughs> Mate, you've retired too early because it's raining tries for front rowers at the moment. <laughs>
2: I know. I know. I um. <laughs> I saw. Well, so Sophie got two. Junior yeah. Paula got one. Yes. And you know, there's a part of me that I was so glad I'm not playing anymore because it's that fast, and I think I wouldn't have survived. But there's also the part of me that is a bit jealous of how many tries are going to be happening through the middle with these new rules. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's uh, pretty good. And I loved I loved the tries that were scored, but I also loved the reactions of the boys that didn't score a try. So if you look at when Junior scored, Regan Campbell was screaming for the ball. He didn't get it. Uh, and my favourite was Christian Walsh. So when Melbourne scored a try. He was screaming for the ball, and he didn't get it either. So it's good to see front row score him. Um, my heart hurts a bit for the ones that miss you out. Miss you out, though.
4: Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, uh, boys. Uh, Six-time nudie run with Teddy. Uh, <laughs> really? Six times. And, and you surprised me, Scotty Sattler. Yeah. Four times. In yeah. fact, you know, not really four times. You count two of those years you played. In fact, three of those years you had one game for the year. That yep. was in the early days. Mm. So I'd, I, I'd probably say... <laughs> Yeah, uh, there's probably you probably need to play a minimum of ten games. Don't I you? remember in our
3: 03 year, yeah. I hadn't scored up until the last round. Oh, oh, wasn't I it? it was a greater celebration on my behalf. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, in Penrith, when you've got a Penrith's not the best time to actually yeah. do a nudie run yeah. because it can <laughs> get cold during. Yeah, the yeah, that's
4: right. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, we we won the Jersey Fled Grand Final of nineteen ninety six. That's what's that? oh wow yep. twenty five years ago, and we. The game's in the balance. Steve Price, who now coaches the Warrington Wolves, he was kicking, my ankle was crook. We score a try, we're up by six. There's four minutes to go. We're going to win the grand final. He's got a kick next to the post. Shanks it, misses it. We maintain our lead by six. So there's one player in our team, a bloke called Corey Topper, right? Now, Corey Topper was discovered by the great Peter O'Sullivan in a training session we trained on the beach. And Corey Topper was that quick, right? But on the land, he was slow as a wet week. He he was a beach sprinter. But he couldn't run on the land, right? So he'd been signed on the back of this beach sprint session. So poor old Corey didn't get a trial all year. In the grand final, he's on for the last three minutes. A bloke called Warren Carney. I don't know if you remember Warren Carney. A dummy half. Played about 20-odd first grade games for the Dragons and the Tigers. Slides through. Looks for support. Who's in support? Corey Topper. Scores the match winner in the grand final. Under the post. <laughs> the very final play of the season. <laughs> and he was the only player on the nudie run. <laughs> so oh, there you wow. go. Yeah. Um, he scored the great Corey Topper, Stuart Topper was his uncle. Oh
3: yeah, a little short halfback yeah. played for Cronulla.
4: Now we'd love you say here on the open line, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy one 1170 is the way to get involved. You can text us as well, 0457-736-736 is the way to go there. Uh, now, just going through the scores, Storm 26 defeated the Rabbitohs 18, the Knights 32 Defeated the Bulldogs sixteen, Eels twenty-four sixteen over the Broncos. So high scoring affairs on the back of the new rule changes. So have your say. Let us know your observations as far as it was concerned. O four five seven seven three six seven three six is the way to go.
3: Well, we've already spent one afternoon together. Yeah. We've already spent one afternoon together, you and I, Joel. Right. And we've got what, thirty weeks to go? Yes. <laughs> so I sat on my bed last night and I thought, how could I try and describe our first game together. After I think we spent six or seven hours together yesterday. This is how I can wrap it up in in one little segment. You mean to tell me I put that drink six inches over to the right and none of this would have happened?
1: You knew he was an alcoholic. Why'd you put the drink down at all? What are you saying? Not saying anything.
5: You're saying something.
1: What could I be saying?
5: Well, you're not saying nothing. You must be saying something. (laughs) If
1: I was saying
0: something,
3: I would have said it. Why don't you say it? I said it. What'd you say? Nothing. (laughs) It's exhausting being with you. <laughs>
4: it is exhausting so being you. Saying? It's exhausting being with you, Joe. Oh, well, mate, you and your it, quirky you? ways. Oh, yes. God was spinning last night. Try being my wife. Uh, that is a real battle. Don't worry. In fact, my wife is a uh, very impatient type. This morning, she goes, oh, I reckon we should knock the fence down. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I reckon said, you should knock <laughs> the fence yeah, yeah. So, down. so yeah. it's a brick fence, right? And it's yeah. been there for a while and rendered fence. And she said, well, I reckon we should knock the fence down. And I said, oh, yeah. Within half an hour, there's a skip in being delivered at our place. And, next thing, it. I'm, I'm on it. and there's a jackhammer there, and I'm jackhammering bloody. Uh, <laughs> the bricks. I've got calluses everywhere. Uh, Jacques calluses everywhere. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, have your say. 300 01 1170 is the way to have your say. 0457 Yeah, Timmy, your documentary, Just One A Story of Hope. You travelled to Kampala. Is that how you say it? Kampala. Kampala,
2: Yeah, yeah. It's in Uganda, the capital of Uganda.
4: Tell us about that.
2: Uh, The way that came about was uh, the Mana Foundation that was started once my brother passed away uh, was more just a vehicle. We'd raise money and we'd pass it on to a local charity. So we partnered with Compassion Australia for the last couple of years and and we raised funds to build a project over in Uganda just to help out the community over there. And Compassion talked about for a while wanting to get me over to show me what we did. I said, if we're going to do that, let's just take a couple of the boys over. Oh, yeah. um, so next thing you know, you know, I was telling Scotty earlier. We we tried to get a couple of Paraboys boys, and we chipped away for a couple of months, and they just were very, uh, you know, very slow in getting everything all organized. Yeah. And the the media company, Hustle Media, that filmed it, they said, can we ask a couple of Melbourne boys? And I said, go for it. And they asked Ryan Pappenhausen and Christian Welch, and within two days they had all their visa paperwork in, their shots done, and they were they were awesome. So, we took them over and uh, we had a great time over there. And it was just really cool to get to know those two boys as well and, and just learn a bit about what makes them tick. And, and um, you know, it was really cool. Their, their first year, you know, Ryan's debut year, Christian had a really frustrating year that year as well. Yeah. And to see them blossom last year and make a grand final in Origin and uh, have so much success was what's great to see.
4: So, was this uh, pre last year or post grand final? Yeah, so
2: we filmed it at the end of 19. We right. filmed it. Um, and then obviously with COVID and everything, you know, the production and everything took a bit, um, a bit slower to get it on air, but we got it on air about, I think, four months ago. And, um, yeah, it's been, it's been great, great feedback from it. And, um, we'd love to see anyone in the community or anyone in the football community kind of follow the back of that and, and do some projects that can really help.
5: Yeah.
3: It's an amazing story. And when you watch it, it's quite emotional because, you know, there's always those questions, Joel, about if you want to sponsor a child, does the money really go and, mm, and have yeah. any, effect? and I think everyone asks that question. But when you actually see this documentary, you actually see the difference that the F- Manor Foundation and, and Compassion have, have had for these, these children, these villagers. It's amazing how the education they're getting, yeah. which, as we know, the, some of the best ways out of, out of poverty is education. Yeah. And letting these kids um, see a, another way to, another way of life and the opportunities through education is, is just amazing. It's an amazing story.
2: Yes, That's, so that was what the project was. So the, a lot of the sponsored children were getting the education, but they found that a lot of them were struggling to get work after yeah. that. So we, we helped fund a uh, skill development center that taught them practical skills that they can use to get work and f- supply for their family. And that's what it was. And um, yeah, to go over there and like my wife and I we sponsored children for like the last seven years. So to see exactly where your money was going, to see the difference it was making, not just to the child but to their family and to the community around them, just by us giving them you know a few bucks you know a week, it's not much. Well, we're um,
3: seeing a lot of those documentaries now, they're making their mark, the, the AFL one. Yep. Uh, the Building Titans have yes. put one out as well, and and Timmy's one as well. Various characters emerge from them that you don't know anything about. The one who stole the show was the lady who was chaperoning.
2: Them. <laughs> yeah, she's a legend. She was amazing, and she um she was just a, a, she. Her story is awesome because she was a sponsor child, yes. so she went through that program. And she's flourishing now, and she hosts all the corporates that come over and people that want to see the program. She hosts them, and she's such a great ambassador for the program because she's growing up now. She's educated. She, she does really well in, in her job. And it's all because someone, in, a 15-year-old girl in England decided one day to put their hand up and, and sponsor her, and her whole life has changed now. Mm. Well, what
4: a great lesson for rugby league players, this balance and, and getting a bit of per- perspective, you know, a perspective. The moment you get on that plane and you head to a place like Uganda, no, no one cares that you're a rugby league player. And two of the best mm. players in the grand final, in my opinion, were who? Christian Welsh yep. and Ryan yep. Papanil. Mm. Absolutely,
2: yeah. Uh, that, uh, that, that was the exciting part. It was, it was so enjoyable to watch their journey, of mm. getting to know them and seeing the kind of people they are. And to see them flourish, was. Um, I couldn't speak more highly of those two. And it actually says a lot about their club as well. Yeah, we it, yeah you're right. The culture they have there. like the Well, the organization to start with, within two days, they were, had everything they needed to get in. And they just embraced the whole trip from the very second they got off that plane. Everything they got after them, they just fully embraced and were
4: awesome. A big win last night to Parramatta. Scratchy start, however. Uh, a person who had it a bit tough, though, trying to interview people was a man called Corey Parker. Have a listen <laughs> to this.
0: Let's cross now to Corey Parker, Fox League commentator, who's standing by for us outside Suncorp. Good evening to you, Corey. I know you'll probably be a little disappointed, but what was the big takeouts for you from their performance? Hey! Yeah, as you said there before, Jess. Uh, I, I think the big takeout was just the fact that the attitude had changed. Now there was a, you can see that the normal crowds turned up, so everything's going well here, Jess. Things are starting. I don't know what's going on here, but anyway, for the—that
3: oh, 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 would have done Corey's head in. Oh, uh, you, you could tell his face on,
2: on, on the on the shot was pretty uh, pretty filthy. Oh,
4: yeah. Live television, hey? That's well, you never television. do
3: a cross on a rugby league night, yeah. round
4: one, let alone Origin, yeah. on Caxton Street. Oh, no. You just <laughs> never do it. There's <laughs>
3: lunatics everywhere.
4: Let us know who the great interviews are like that. And I, straight away, Sean Garlic comes to mind. We, yep. We're thinking about the... The Raiders taking on the Tigers on Sunday. And it was that snow day. I actually played in that game. He played in that game, didn't yeah, you? he? Yeah, and cop- he copped one to the melon, did Sean Garlic? <laughs> uh, what are some of the other great interviews? doesn't have to be rugby league. Let us know and we can dig them out. 0457 736 736 is the way to get involved. That's 0457 736 736. Scotty Sattler, Timmy Manor, I'm Joel Kane, And this is Crunch Time with thanks to Red Rooster's new crunchy fried mm, chicken available at selected restaurants. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the way to join us. Crunch time! Thanks to Red Rooster, crunchy fried chicken by the great Red Rooster. And as I said, I lo- my favourite at Red Rooster. Boys, is the chicken roll. Yeah, it
2: has to be. Yeah, yeah.
4: Gravy, compulsory gravy, and and you go through the drive through. And I reckon I've got a one hundred percent strike rate of getting that gravy on my my
3: pants. <laughs> okay, can I ask you something about Red yeah. Rooster? Mm. And this is a question I want to throw up to listeners as well. 0457 736. 736. Chicken on top of the fries, yeah. Or chips have got to be on top of the chicken. Like I like the chicken yeah. sitting on top of the chips. So when you eat, yeah. the chips they are all soggy. I and, like that. Yeah, without <laughs>
4: of moggy. I, I when I think about Red <laughs> Rooster, you know what I think about boys. I think about because I reckon I'd have a one hundred percent strike rate of visiting this particular restaurant. When you call a game at Penrith mm-hmm. and you yeah, leave you know, yeah, the M4, yeah. there's that one on the left. Yeah, left. yeah, yeah. I reckon I've never, ever managed to successfully bypass <laughs> <dive> <laughs> that at Red Rooster. It's, it's outstanding. Uh, have you say. 0457 736, 736 We're talking about some of the great interviews. Corey Parker, who just got absolutely hijacked in his mm. interview. Uh, I remember a time at Shark Park and uh, they had the inflatable shark there. They'd,
3: they'd run out through that yeah they? they'd run yep. out
4: through that and mm. and it was in the middle of the field for some apparent reason and I'm on the sideline for Fox Andy Raymond throws down to me and I'm interviewing and and unbeknownst to me this shark is coming <laughs> towards me and it actually goes right over the top of me where cleverly somebody pops it up on YouTube with the Jaws music on it is it in yep. this inflatable <laughs> sharks coming to get me. So what are the, some of the great sporting interviews that you've heard out there? Let us know on the text line 0457 736 736 uh, that is the way to do that. Last night Timmy Manaziel's 24 defeated the Broncos 16 down 16 points to nil. Uh, a few things went against the Brisbane Broncos T- um, Lodge goes down not to return and Xavier Coates mm. after having scored two tries he goes down too. Boys 16 nil at half time. The one thing I thought Timmy Manor that kept the eels into the game. Their attack wasn't flash to start things, but I thought, you know what? Their three tries were conceded on the wing. You know, it Mm. wasn't as if they were punching large holes through them too often as far as tries were concerned. They come back to win. Uh, What do you make of that as a former Parramatta player?
2: Yeah, I think when they kept it simple in the second half, they were a lot more effective. And with these new rules, you don't need to be flashy with the way you're playing your footy. You just need to be really simple. I think the teams that can flood the middle the most and and put the middle under the most pressure will, will go great this year. And when Parramatta went back to doing that, they were very hard to stop. In that 10-15 minute block in the second half, they just blew, they blew the Broncos out of the water. I think it's going to be um, a lot of that. Their, their attack still needs a bit of work. Um, you know, obviously Mitchell and, and Dylan swapping sides, it's going to take a few weeks to, for them to really click and get used to. But um, yeah, it was it was a little bit clunky, but it's two points in the bag and it's oh, yeah. it's a good start to the year. They
4: don't draw pitches on the ladder, do they, Timmy? Who was your best for Parramatta last night?
2: I thought uh, the the bench Papa Lee.
4: Oh yeah, he oh, was amazing. I
3: can't believe the Warriors let him go.
2: Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was incredible. I thought, I thought our bench won the game for us last night. Mm. Last, last night, um, he came on and he just sparked the you know that energy in the middle of the field. Yeah. And I thought Oregon Confucius off the bench came, did, a, did a job as well, and then the rest of the team just fell off the back of that energy. But they needed that that impact of the bench. And I thought especially Papali was was really the man that really sparked that.
4: Yeah, Fergo got the try L- last year. He actually scored. The first try of the season last year, Blake Ferguson, went to the bunker, no try. Uh, this time he gets a try, Fergo, he's away.
3: Uh, Brad Fitley interviewed him after the game. He said, do you think you would have got that try last year? He said, no, I wouldn't have. Why not? He said, because the way that he scored that try, like he threw his body into Isaac, yeah. um, into uh, the Broncos' cover defence. Just threw his body into them and, and was able to be strong enough to hold them off. Now, he said, I've been practising for that. All off season, pre season, throwing myself into the, the guys that are trying to take me out of the sideline. Whereas before, I've sort of just tried to, I don't know, fiddle my way through it. Yeah. yeah. I I had to be physical. I've trained for it all, all uh, pre season and, and it's worked out for me.
4: Uh, here is Blake Ferguson chatting to Brad Fittler for Channel 9. Hey,
2: I'm feeling good. <laughs> <laughs> He's 30 also, back. Early, too. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, good. I'm feeling really good, age. Hey? But it's credit to the boys, you know. We had three debutants in the club and junior's 100. So, for us, you know, we wanted to win for
4: them. But also, you know, start the year off in a good fashion. We didn't start that first half too yeah. good.
3: What about the try? Would you have scored that try last year? No chance, man. Yeah. What's no. the difference? What's the difference between... You taking on Jemana Sarko or not getting there last year? Well, I trained it the whole
5: off-season. I, tra- I had these young kids coming at me, like Jake Arthur, Sean Russell. Like, they're coming at me from the corner, like the same sorts of things. And I'm just trying to run over and
2: train. And so when it comes to the game, it's like I'm out training, you know. like It's, it's me
4: or them. And I'd rather me run over and then get knocked the out of touch, you know. Yeah, well, that, that's fair enough. Uh, Blake Ferguson fired up. I'll tell you what, Brad Fittler. Isn't he just one of the greats as far as the sideline eye goes? So oh, he yeah. connects yeah. with the players. And this is a New South Wales coach, a former absolute legend of the game. But the way he's so relatable, the way he connects with all the players, it's just the outstanding boys, isn't it?
3: When you work on the sideline, and we've all worked on sidelines before. It's a really difficult job, an assignment on the sideline. You've got to come up with something different that the guys and, and the girls in the box yeah. are talking about so what's something different i'm not giving the if the people can see what's yes. going on the tv yeah, yeah. so what am i going to give them something that's different freddie always well, freddie's different anyway <laughs> in a good way but um he just gives you something different he, yeah. whether he's talking about the weather he won't just talk about the weather he'll talk about the effect that's going to have on people and in all different parts of the stadium he'll yeah, talk about yeah. what's going on with the chatter on the field he'll, he'll dissect the game beautifully and what he'd do as a player and yeah, he's just different. I like it.
2: There's also an element of you know, humility about him as yeah. well. Like he's got no, there's no ego there. So nah. a lot of guys just feel that warmth every time they see him, he connects with. doesn't matter if you're you know the kid that's about a debut or, or the veteran that's played 300 games. Everyone feels like they can connect with him. Yep. And that's just because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't judge anyone based on how they play. It's just, you know, he sees them all as just equal humans and he, I was lucky enough to be coached by him in the in the Lebanese team for for um, uh, you know, five yeah. weeks. And, yeah, and get to see him, you know, pretty intimately the way he you know he goes about his business. And there's not a lot of strategy there. Look, like you guys know what he's like, but there's not a lot of strategy. It's just more that genuine nature of him that makes people warm to him. Yep. And yeah, you know, I played with him in the city camp, and also to see I guess to see when he first started having a crack at coaching, to see how he's grown from there all the way to where he's now in Origin. Yeah. Um, even though he's probably learned a lot of lessons, he hasn't changed much as a person, which is pretty awesome. I was watching
3: some old games, some old footage uh, during the week, and it was when Freddie was coaching the Roosters yeah. on a week-to-week basis, tough gig, and when the Rabbits were playing the Roosters, and the Roosters looked like they were going to get beaten in the just those heartbreaking moments of the last the last few moments of the game, they'd, they'd panned to Freddie, and Freddie would still have a smirk on his face. <laughs> like It, it, it just it's like, oh, well. But yeah. Timmy, oh, used I can't term, control anything up here.
4: Timmy used the term "growth," and I remember interviewing him as a Roosters head coach, and I just thought, "Wow, this bloke's—he's out of his depth," you know. But now he—he he has just learned. He's a—he's a, he, a changed person. Mm-hmm. He, he really is, and—and and I wouldn't be surprised if he one day goes back and has another crack at coaching the NRL. He, he has learned so much, and he's done a fine, fine job for New South Wales, hasn't he, gentlemen? Do
2: you think he want to coach the NRL? Uh, I feel like it, it I just maybe at some point. Yeah, I, I think he'd want to, but I do think it brings a lot more stress and it's hard for him to be that same character yeah. week in and week out at the NRL level. But if anyone can probably do that, Tim.
3: I got billeted with him in 1989. Did you? Yeah. At Australian Schoolboys um, carnival. Yeah. And there was myself, him, and Jason Death. The lock forward. Yeah, uh, yeah Lock yeah. forward from uh, Canberra and, and ended up becoming a Warriors, hooker, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He was a tremendous lock forward in schoolboys. And I remember Freddie was just different. Like he's just he's just a different cat. I remember yeah. sitting there going, I can't work this guy. And I'm a kid from the Gold Coast. He's <laughs> yeah. from the western parts of Sydney. I was like, I just can't work this cat out. Yeah. Anyway, two weeks later, I'm sitting down watching. Remember the old Channel Two Saturday yeah, game, main yeah, three game, three o'clock, and uh, sitting there watching that. And all of a sudden, this kid comes off the bench against West and goes chip, chip, chip. And I went, that's the kid I was just dealing <laughs> <laughs> with two weeks ago. This is insane.
4: I, know. <laughs> I tell you, I I was playing at Penrith Waratahs as a kid. Jamison Park is the park down there, and and, and I'd play with this young bloke called Dane. And and Dane was playing, obviously, with me at Penrith Waratahs. However, his older brother was playing at Cambridge Park. So what Dane and I would do, we'd play an early game. We were quite younger, and then we'd go and watch his brother play for Cambridge Park. And they had never lost a game, right? They'd never, ever lost a game. Here we are in this game, and Blacktown City are beating Cambridge Park. I think the score's 10-0, Right. There's three minutes to go, and the trainer, and this is under 15s, I reckon, the trainer runs out, and he yells out, boys, we've finally done it. We've beaten Cambridge Park. After all these years, they're done. Well done, boys. And he's carrying on. Step, step, chip, try, 10-6. Step, step, chip, try. A kick from the sideline, 10-all. Brad Fitler is the young kid from Cambridge Park. So you haven't done it, Cambridge Park. <laughs> beat Blacktown City ten, and, and just a freak of a player, wasn't he? Yeah, was yeah, When he was for that Australian schoolboys team, w- was he the known superstar at that time?
3: No, no, he wasn't. No, Paul Davies, remember Paul Davies, yeah. the the big five eight from the Belmain Tigers. Yeah, he was the he was the gun five eight. Julian O'Neill was the Queensland five eight. Wow. So when they picked the Australian schoolboys, eventually Freddie got the sixth jersey, and uh, Julian O'Neill played in the centres. But it was Julian O'Neill was he was the gun kid, yeah. And then Freddie, everyone knew about Freddie, but it was all about Julian O'Neill. Is that right. But then during the carnival, fullback was David Riolo. Yes, it was yeah, outstanding. Yeah. Um, but it was all about Paul Davies. By the end of the carnival, it was all about Paul Davies. This I think he was from Maxville. Yeah, I think yeah. he went back there to play. Yeah, yeah. And um, and the, he didn't make the Australian schoolboys. Freddie got picked, and he deserved to. Freddie, but um, Paul Davies was the player of the carnival. He was just outstanding. Was there a
2: schoolboy tour that
3: year at all? Or? No, they played against, uh, the Australian school boys played against the Touring Bala They called them the British oh, yeah, the under nineteen British, bit British older. side, yeah. yeah.
4: Uh, there you go. Have your say, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. You can text us 457 736 was on the drive show, drive with Joel and Fletch during the week, and uh, we'll have a listen to this and see how it all played out. True or not true, Reed? you've scored in round one the last two years. Is that true or not true? from dummy half scheming
3: out or just falling over the line from a junior polo pass.
0: Uh, um, I think last year was was a grubber that Mitch put in and the fullback sort of wasn't there and then um, Brownie missed it and then I was just there was <laughs> just there the right place the right time.
4: Uh, he's a first up specialist boys three mm. years in a row he's only scored nine tries in his career three of them have been round one the last three years in round one Reed Marney has crossed so you know what I'll be doing next year. Round one, I'll be piling up on Reid Marnie. Have you seen his left ear? Yeah.
3: It yeah. is chewed apart. Chew- he looks yeah. like a, a UFC up, fighter.
4: Yeah.
2: Did you see his face when he scored that try? He <laughs> was very suspect. He was coy. Bit, yeah, he looked up like, did, <laughs> did I get that down? going to bow it?
3: Wouldn't rob a bank with yeah him. They put him in interrogation. His eyes would tell a story.
4: No poker face there. Brad Arthur, by the way, he would be very relieved. After trailing 16 points to nil, they escape with a victory. Here's a bit of the press conference with Brad Arthur, the coach of the Parramatta Reels. That was talked about straight away. Um, but, you know, we can get back and um, relax for a couple of days, dust ourselves off and get ready to go again. But, yeah,
3: we know we're up against quality opposition. But um, we going to just focus on probably what sort of team we want to look like. And the first half was nowhere near it.
4: No, certainly wasn't, but uh, as Timmy and I were saying, you don't draw pictures on the ladder, they got the two points. Kevy Walters on the other hand, he had his first ever win as a player for the Broncos versus the Parramatta Eels, and at some stage you thought, well, he's going to get his first ever victory as a Bronco coach, also against the Eels, wasn't a play out, but he was asked about what he thought about the halves being Milford and Croft. Well, did, yeah, certainly, you know, we've got a lot of trust and a lot of faith in Milf, and um, you know, he'll, he'll get better too, he's had a, a rough year last year, and He'll get some confidence out of tonight. Certainly, uh, I thought defensively he was he was good as well, and you know he's he'll, he'll be better for the run. That all be better for tonight, even though we lost. Um, there's certainly a lot of, I can they can we can build on what happened out there tonight with the Broncos. Well, he was good as well, particularly um, in that second half. He came up with a couple of good plays to, to get us back in the game. So um, yeah, he was he was good, and uh, we expect that from Crofty. He's a good young player. Um, And we need to do that consistently now, you know, for the Broncos. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it was fairly positive out of all of that. Kevi Wolders, and well done on a great start. Playing a very good team, being the Parramatta Eels, and just going down 24 points to 16, with excuse uh, injuries to Asiata Coates and, of course, Lodge. It is a Saturday. If you've got any WBWs, as we like to call it, will be winnings, hit us on the text line 0457 736 736. Uh, what we like to do on a Saturday, uh, it is a race day being a Saturday, we like to get a doyen of racing come onto the line today. It is Jules Valance of Sportsbet fame, and he's a guru there. It is All-Star Mile Day today as well, and I'm pleased to say Julian of Lance joins us on the line. G'day, Jules. G'day, Shul. How are you going? Mate, I appreciate you uh, taking time out of a very, very busy day, and you are, uh, of course, of note from Sportsbet, three wide, no cover. I was listening to the podcast on the way here into the studio. Uh, Now, what I would like to know, Julesy, if we gave you $100 to spend today, how are you spending it?
0: Yeah, I'll send you an invoice soon sure, <laughs> with that. Um, look, we'll start in Sydney. We'll start up in Sydney with the Coolmore Classic. I think it's a race you can play into. So with that hundred, we'll start with sixty of it. I'm going to put forty dollars on Forbidden Love. I just love the three year olds in uh, March and April against the older horses. We'll have forty on Forbidden Love to win, and we'll have twenty on Shalo. She's a horse down from, or she's up from Victoria, and she was outstanding first up. So we're going to use sixty dollars on those two horses. I think one of them will win. And then we're going to come down to Mooney Valley and we're going to have an all-up, So we're going yeah. to have $40 on race five, number one, Cherry Tortoni, third up, 2,000 metres. I just think he has to win. And we'll put that into the last, race nine, number 10, the billionaire. And I think we'll get a collect out of that for our 100. So I'll just say to the punters out there, if you're ever going to do all-ups, I think... When they're short, you shouldn't try and pinch. You should be backing them to win as well, singularly. But we'll do it here for this $100. We'll go Cherry Tortoni into the billionaire.
3: Uh,
4: just something that you shared, and this is the kind of insight you get on 3 Wide No Cover, the sports bet podcast. You, you were talking about percentages, and I, I know that Arcadia Queen, uh, during the week, $3.40, and you had it rated at $2.80, which doesn't appear to be a giant gap. However, you said on percentage terms, as far as chances of winning, $3.40 into $2.80 was something like the equivalent of, of a $71 pop being backed into a $13 pop, Jules. Yeah, bang, that's exactly right, Sugar. So I think a lot of people will look at
0: 71 into 13 and say, well, that's a massive move and they want to be involved in that because that's a huge... But in essence, in terms of winning the race, the percentage chance is only a 6% chance. Now, $3.40 into $2.80, a lot of punters would go, well, that's not much of a move. It's, you know, theoretically, it's 60 cents. It's, it's 6% as well, so... As soon as you get up to the pointy end of the market where the favourites are, any moves are actually quite significant because it increases their chance, percentage chance of winning to 100% market, sugar.
4: Mate, I appreciate that. You're an absolute guru. And uh, what you've done in the last few years through the media is, well, you've been a rocket. You've absolutely flown uh, best on ground. You're flying Jules Valence. Mate, it's a Saturday. It's a busy day for you. We appreciate your time, legend. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. See uh, you, sure. Good luck. Yep, there he is, the great Jules Valance of Sportsbet. He's tipping uh, for his $100 in the Coolmore Classic in Sydney. He's backing to, uh, $40 on Forbidden Love, $20 on Shalo, and as far as Mooney Valley is concerned, an all up. He's got $40 Race 5, Cherry Tortoni into Race 9, Number 10, The Billionaire. So that's the way that Jules Valance is playing it. Have your say. 0457 736 736. David from Singapore, loving the Saturday show, boys. Unreal. And I reckon the Broncos will come good under Kevy. Well, I totally agree, David from Singapore. I think you're absolutely right. We appreciate your text. Keep them coming through. 0457 736 736. You can call us. 1300 01 11 is the way to do that. This is Crunch Time with thanks to Red Rooster. Delicious, crunchy, new fried chicken by Red Rooster available at selected restaurants. The Rooster's Calling. Uh, Yes, we're about to dive into the Knights taking the Bulldogs. It is crunch time. Thanks to Red Rooster. Crunchy fried chicken by Red Rooster. Beta Mainhoff, that's advertising for you. I'm a dollar one to be having Red Rooster today. you, Timmy? I was thinking that the whole time. (laughs) From the
2: very first time you said that, I'm like, yep, my lunch break. I'm going straight
4: there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Looking forward to that. Knights take you on the Bulldogs. Uh, We're very happy about having some Red Rooster. I'll tell you who was absolutely thrilled about winning this game. (laughs) Adam O'Brien. Just have a listen. Before we go into this, I'd love... our listeners to rate out of 10 how bloody happy adam o'brien is here
3: and is he the is he the winning coach or the losing (laughs) coach we're not quite sure
4: have a listen
1: yeah really happy happy (laughs) for daniel happy for um uh the debutants, jess and tyson i thought they were outstanding jesse played 32 minutes straight a long time since he's done anything like that um uh, happy for all the people that sat through that downpour at the start, and, um, yeah, just I'm really proud of the group, it was a tough performance, we knew that that's what it had to be, um, and then losing Kurt early, it was going to make things even tougher, so, um, yeah, we showed plenty of grit. Yeah, done everything that I knew he would, he, yeah, that's who he is, that's how he has approached uh, his training. Uh, two years as a, as a bloke. He's, um, you know, we're calling me half of my hell, but he certainly certainly showed that tonight. Uh, we had a highlight video um, yesterday, and it had too many tries in it for my liking, but he went out know, got two tonight, so...
4: Absolutely happy. Prophet yeah. of doom.
2: Oh. <laughs> I had a little bit of a chuckle there too. The alpha male, he's had a little bit of a laugh, and the rest of it went back to, no, no, I'm not happy. But
4: I, I love how he's actually using the term happy in in, in probably the least <laughs> way you could say Yeah, I'm happy. Yeah, I'm really happy. <laughs> I'm
2: happy for the guys that sat in their torrential downpour. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
4: I, I, I don't mean to be wishing on uh, misfortune, but I, I am excited to hear when he's unhappy. I, I, I mean, I mean what, what is that going to sound like? Uh, <laughs> He's come from the school of Bellamy So yeah, yeah the, the blow-ups are a regular Yeah mm. Is it compulsory as a coach To be Like just doom and gloom all the time Like, do, Can you not just Have fun and have a balanced life Like everyone yeah, else
2: Yeah, you, you think that You can just have a smile Every now and then I think that's what I like about Freddie I like about Bennett There's some guys that can just Relax every now and then And not get too serious So um.
4: But you know what They had a good win as well And it's a great start for the Knights uh, Absolutely Uh. And what about this boys Uh. Fox Sports Stats the Newcastle Knights, now, I, I can't buy into this. I, they did not concede a penalty in the match. Are you telling me if you forensically looked at that game, you would not find one discretion for the Newcastle Knights?
3: Mm, yeah, I've seen a, a fair bit of activity on social media, and that's mostly Twitter with a lot of the, the Bulldogs fans uh, not getting a, an even... And even the, the six-again's as well. There's a lot of six-again's when you weigh up both those sides mm-hmm. as well. Uh, yeah, I have to go back and look at the game a little bit more, but... Um, that they, I mean, they were very scrappy early on, the Knights. Yeah, absolutely. They were pretty sloppy early on. So, And when you're sloppy, you're all disciplined, yeah. aren't you? Just in life. So yeah. I, it's, it's hard to think that they didn't give, concede
2: one penalty. I wonder when the last time that happened, when the last time the team never conceded. Oh, wow.
4: It already, it would have been,
2: I would have loved to have played a game when that didn't happen.
4: Oh, wow. I, I, it, yeah, I, I don't know if it would have ever happened. would it? No penalties.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I played in a game. Our grand final was penalties were 2-1. Oh, that really? was in the first 20 minutes. Is that right? Yeah,
4: Billy Harrigan was a, was a ref. So do you, coach, do you get coached accordingly where you're playing a grand final and the, the coach is saying, listen, it's very unlikely that they're going to penalise us. Just push the friendship a little bit. Because as I said, I said on Friday night, Timmy, I yeah. and you'll know this, Sat said this is a rule, and I believe it would be the case unless you know otherwise. When yeah. you're playing the ball, you're allowed to start moving up the moment it gets behind the heel of the – is that right? Yep, correct, yeah. Okay. South Sydney, particularly in that first half, they would pass the ball, and they're all passing flat these days. That pass would take less than a second. And the moment the South Sydney first receiver was getting it, the Melbourne Storm purple jumper was right in front of them. So Mm -hmm. physics tell me that you can't possibly be there unless you're offside. And there was no six to goes or penalties against the Melbourne Storm. What did you make of that?
2: Yeah, I think, well, for one, teams trained to do that. So, you know, whether it's get your back foot on the line or... We all go at the same time, so the ref can't really see who's jumping out early. We're all doing it together. Oh, right. So teams do train to jump the gun a little bit.
4: So so, to, so they train to jump in a pack so yeah. to the So eye, if someone's
2: shooting out on their own and yeah. they're offside, stands well, out. then it stands out. Ah. But if we're all doing it together, it's it's a lot harder for the referee to pin that. Um, but, you know, the one thing that has been pretty obvious with the new rules is the more disciplined teams are going to win these games. Yeah. Because we've we've seen so many different momentum shifts and when a team's on the roll it's they're hard to stop and i think um the more disciplined you are the more momentum you're going to have because i remember when they brought in the seven tackle set of a ball going dead and one extra tackle would hurt me oh yeah <laughs> well, now you have got guys like you know tackle four set restart and they're going again and you know they're doing 10 12 tackle sets so it's a, it's a big ask and once you're on the back foot momentum's uh, it's a hard thing to stop do you
3: know roy simmons once asked myself and john Cross, remember, got yeah, a great yeah. back row, really high work rate. Former stealer. Yeah. And uh we used to be the ones who would have to go back and put our hand on the referee and say, Am I right? Am I on side? And he would go and look down at who's talking to him, oh, which would allow oh, the other
4: guys to, to right. Oh, yeah. That's good. Yeah. The tricks of the trade. I, we, we could have a whole show I reckon on the tricks <laughs> of the trade and keep them coming through. We can't read the message at the pitches, by the way. So um keep that in eight. Just keep it to the text. 0457. 736. We don't want to know
2: what
3: the pitches are also sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, you know, a little well. bit seedy.
4: I've got the number. I'm going to text you later. <laughs> uh, so 0457 736 736 is the way to do it. Uh, I'll ask you this, Timmy Manor. Yeah. And uh, this is a question without notice, but where is Daniel Safidi finding himself in the pecking order?
2: He's, we talk about growth, the word growth, he's grown a lot the last couple of years. I remember when he first made Origin, I had some question marks, so I just wasn't sure whether he was, you know, one of the top front rowers in the state, he's proved he is. I thought um, he was one of our best in origin last year in the forwards, and I think he's going to have a long rep career. And I thought the way he, he handled his new leadership role, and you know, obviously starting with two tries is a, it's a great start, but he seems like someone people love playing with. Yeah. I've got a, you know, I think he's going to have a huge career.
3: His brother Jacob's coming along also after, after getting over injuries. So both one-two punch, outstanding. Now I want to ask you, Timmy, as a front rower, some of the numbers that were thrown up last year, last night's game between the Knights and the Bulldogs. Of course, the Knights won that 32-16. Saifidi was about 17 hit-ups, 190 metres, whatever it may be. I think you're looking at the stats yeah, right yeah. now. David Clem- I mean, Jaden Braley was outstanding. David Klemmer threw up numbers, was it 19, 20 hit-ups, 217 metres, offloads. He played 75 minutes straight. 217
2: metres, three offloads, 33 tackles. There yeah, you go. He, yeah. p- he
3: played 75 minutes straight. Now, you as a front rower... Everything's the rhythm, the momentum's all in your favour. You, you're not using a lot of energy when you're controlling the game. If they came to you at seventy-five minute mark and said,
2: Piss off. "Time to have a break," would you just keep Piss running? Off, yeah. Don't, don't <laughs> come in. If I'm getting that far into the game, I not, thought the same. I need yeah. to get eighty minutes out. It's here. a isn't it? Five minutes. I want to tell everyone on the, over the weekend. <laughs> I I'll, I'll play eighty minutes in the middle isn't on the week. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, I'll tell the trainer to piss off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we thought
4: the same during yeah. the call. SEN League were calling the game. We thought, there's no way Clem was going to leave the match here. He did. Uh, yeah. So, Safidi, massive minutes as well. Uh, here was the great performance of Daniel <laughs> Safidi, and here's the great man himself.
0: Yeah, I had goosebumps running out, not going to lie. Um, I've never done that before, so I've never been captain of any
2: team. And Fazi, to choose me out of all the boys, you know, it's pretty special. and something I don't take lightly, so... Um, yeah, it's still pretty crazy thinking about now. And the, the wind just cherry on top pretty much. Daniel,
4: do you remember the last time you scored two
2: tries in any game? Maybe under eight to Terrible Sharks, I'm not sure. <laughs> but, um, nah, I honestly
1: couldn't tell you. Um, no, cherry on top. Um, I think Jake got a play the ball for me and let me know after a walking back. So, um, yeah, I don't remember. Adam, you talking about
5: rotating the captains? Is there a chance you might dump
1: Yeah,
4: that was clever, wasn't it? Uh, Barry Toohey asking the question uh, to Adam O'Brien with Safiti next to him uh, with rotating the captaincy, a chance of dropping him for next week.
3: (laughs) Now, it's it's great to hear when players, they talk from the heart, isn't it? Like that. Yeah, it means so much to me. I'm not going to take it for granted. And he actually admitted that when he got named as captain, he all of a sudden changed at training. He was t- I was talking too much. I thought I had to talk because I was a captain. Yeah. and we know that some of the great captains don't talk at all. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I made that mistake. You know, looking back at my captaincy, you know, I got made a captain as a 25 year old, uh, and I was always a bit of a talker. But I always felt like I had to probably talk. And I had I was lucky that I had guys, uh, senior players like um, you know, Jared Hayne and Michael Jennings that would always, you know, be able to give me advice on you know. You know when, when to speak sometimes. Sometimes I was speaking too much, yep. And I, I was pretty grateful I had guys like that could say, you know, maybe maybe now's a good time to say this, or you know, you're probably speaking too much, you know,
4: it's like tone it down a little yeah, bit, yeah. So
2: that, that helped a lot in my early years of captaincy. So by the end of it, I knew kind of had a bit more balance on like, okay, well, this is when I need to speak, and this is when I don't, yep. Yeah,
4: who did you follow Timmy for captaincy? Was it uh Kayla? Kayla, yeah. yeah. I was,
2: I, I grew up, you know, idolizing Kaleo. He's, he was the captain of the club I was playing at. He was the Kiwi captain. He always came
3: across to me as the ultimate professional.
2: Yeah, he just, there was, and, and he was a perfect example of someone who didn't have to speak too much. He was just like a big silverback gorilla that <laughs> just had that <laughs> presence about him that when he spoke, everyone listened to everything he said, but he didn't have to speak too much. Uh, and I was really grateful and really fortunate that as a you know, 19-year-old coming through in the first grade squad, he took me under his wing. Um, he you know, puts time into me intentionally to make uh, me improve rather than looking at me as a threat of someone that plays the same position as him. He took me under his wing to really mentor me. And um, I, you know, I look back at my career and, and a lot of my career, um, you know, not only the, the player I became, but the person I became was because someone like Kalo really mm-hmm. helped mentor me.
4: Uh, have you say one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the way to do that. Hi, Joel. Your interview with Reid the other day made me have a bet time try score and it's alive. I need the Roosters and the Raiders to win to clean up. Nice. Uh, what's the name on this one here? Let me click on that. Uh, no name. No name. We want your names. We want your names so we can credit your, your text messages as they're coming through. 0457 736 736. He doesn't want to give his
3: name because if he cleans up, <laughs> yeah. you've got his number no, or her number.
4: Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, now, we've, Thanks, mentioned, we've mentioned Daniel Safidi. <laughs> he was terrific. Clemens is terrific. And, and maybe to explain their big minutes was the fact that there were no penalties conceded. That plays a major part in that, I assume. Uh, Covid capacity crowd of 19,555. So well done to those in attendance. It's always terrific crowd up there in Newcastle. It was game 100 for Daniel safedi What a way to do that! But other notable game, Mitch Barnett was fantastic, mm. wasn't he? Uh, Mitch Barnett was good. Jaden Braley was fantastic. And Jaden Braley who by the way, he's only played the three games now for the Newcastle Knights for three decent victories. Uh, here is Jaden Braley.
3: Yeah, it's obviously a good one. So good to get, the, get a good game together from the boys and. Start the year out with a win. I um, was pretty nervous before the game, but um, yeah, so I've missed this feeling right now, and um, yeah, it's best feeling in the world. Yeah, it's unreal. Obviously, I've been on the other end of it uh, in the past, and today we finally uh, minus the start of the game, We've got some good weather and or decent weather, and, uh, and the fans turned out for us. So we really missed the fans last year, and it's good to be back. Yeah, I was uh, towards the back end there. I
4: was hurting a bit, but um, no, nah, it was all good. My knee was sweet. Um, I was always confident in my knee, and um, I'm just so relieved to get through it. Uh, when Jaden Braley, uh, early in his first grade career, which is still fairly early, people were saying, oh, Blake's going to be better, Blake's going to be better, wait till Blake comes through. I don't know about that. I think that Jaden Braley, and, and I forget who was telling me this, but they believed he was a future New South Wales player. Brett Camorley was saying it, actually.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: And I'll tell you what, he's got that real steadiness where he makes his tackles, never misses his tackles. If the player who's making the most tackles never misses, and the player who's touching the ball most never makes an error, your team's off to a, a pretty handy start with Jaden Brayley, aren't they?
2: Yeah, I think the the most important position on the field right now with the new rules is the hooker. I um, agree. Yeah, hooker and fullback, and if you've got a good combo with those two, um, that's where the game's going to be won and lost. And I, I, I'm with you. I think Jaden's, um, you know, probably at the moment you can definitely say he's a better brother. Yeah. Uh, I know, you know, there's still a bit of an age difference, but he's um, he's. He's a very steady, very strong, reliable player and someone that you could definitely look good in a blue jersey.
4: Absolutely. Uh, keep these text messages coming through. 0457 736 736. Uh, we haven't even mentioned uh, two players who were terrific. We haven't mentioned Tyson Frizzell, the new signing. Right edge for the Newcastle Knights. Jeezy he was good, wasn't he, Timmy? What a handy pickup. up you know, oh, uh, he's And he's <laughs> evil. He's scared. He? <laughs> yeah. He's got scary yeah. <laughs>
2: He um to be able to have some of that slot in the team is a, is a, is a Big, big addition. Um, And I thought he was outstanding. I thought the, the way that they controlled the possession of the game, they never looked in doubt because they always controlled having the ball. And we talk about momentum shifts, and it's a lot harder for a team like the Bulldogs to get in the game when you have a team like Newcastle just choking you to death. So I thought they controlled the possession really well.
3: I saw one of the tweets from a Dragons fan saying, in all his years at the Dragons, he never pass the ball once. He goes <laughs> to Newcastle and sets up a try.
4: I, I I got to check similarly for that. Yeah, exactly right. And maybe that's the coaching. Maybe that's the coaching from Seabold and also Adam O'Brien there to get it done. And I tell you what, if you're Anthony Seabold, uh, you've got the victory as a... Well, you won M- the first
3: two rounds last year with the Bronx.
4: Yes, that's true. Mm. And they were 250 to one to win the spoon at that time. Yep. Uh, I wonder what part COVID played. Were they two? Uh, having won the two victories, and then were they too complacent, perhaps, returning? Uh, But who knows? Uh, They they were pretty good last night. I will say this. If you had to make a suggestion now, if they're playing next week, which they're not, it's a hypothetical, if the Bulldogs were playing the Broncos next week, gentlemen, who are you tipping?
3: I'm I'm ticking the Bronx. I'm going Broncos. I thought they played with a little bit more... It's, I suppose different conditions as well at Suncorp mm. and also at Newcastle. But I felt as though that they looked a little bit more fluent, a lot quicker. Mm. And it got their passes hit, they, they stuck. Yeah, yeah. And when Milford's on, and he was he was really good last night, Milford. When Milford's on, the Broncos are usually on as well. So if I had to, I'd, I'd say the Broncos.
2: We have to look at, they were missing Payne Haas. Yep. They were missing, well, obviously, for Beto's missed Katone, Katone Staggs. The three their best players from last year weren't playing uh, last night. And I thought when they lost a three that went down, they had every reason to roll over mm. last night. But they 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 showed some grit. And they were right in the game up to the last 30 seconds. So um, there were some really pleasing signs. And if I'm Walters, I'll be happy with what I saw. Um, and, yeah, if they had to play the Bulldogs last night, I'd say they'd get the two points.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Gary Jack, by the way, um, uh, it's been a big story in the papers. We'll speak to Gary Jack uh, after the news break. So stay with us right here. This is crunch time. Crunch time with thanks to Red Rooster's new crunchy fried chicken available at selected restaurants. Keep your text messages coming through 0457 736 736. You can call us as well on the open line if you wish to have your say 1300 01 1170. For those who like to have a dabble on the ponies, Jules Valance, a bit of a doyen when it comes to that. He gave us some tips earlier. Now he's suggesting you back too in the Coolmore, which is Race 7 in Sydney. Uh, $40 on Forbidden Love. We gave him a $100 strategy, so you can have as mid, little or as much as you please on the Coolmore. Uh, but he says $40 on Forbidden Love, $20 on Shalo. As far as Mooney Valley is concerned, he thinks Cherry Tortoni in race five will just be winning. And race nine, number 10, the billionaire. He likes those two. In a multi does Jules Verland. So keep your text messages coming through 0457 736 736. As I said, the great Jimmy Jack about to join us. We've got so much more to get through. And we will be calling as well NRL Nation and SEN League today. The Warriors are preparing for the Gold Coast Titans. What a match that's going to be! I'll get the tips off the boys very, very shortly. Stay with us right here Timmy Manor, Scott Sattler, I'm Joel Kane, and this is Crunch Time.
3: You're listening to Crunch Time on SEN. Crunchy Fried Chicken by Red Rooster.
4: Uh, Welcome back. Yes, it is. Crunch Time, second hour of the program. Thanks to Red Rooster. Crunchy Fried Chicken by Red Rooster. Get me there. Get me there now. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, There you go. Hello, Timmy Manor. I'd like to ask you, who was the best player you played alongside for Parramatta?
2: Oh, there's a lot. Like obviously the you know the Hideys, the, the Kalos, and the Birdies are the legends. But uh, in terms of talent, Jared Haynes by far the best player I've played yeah.
4: with. Yeah, yeah. That run of 2009, of course, uh, famous. Uh, what a time that was, Timmy. Yeah. <sighs> the only thing I will say about this, and I was I was sidelined that particular day for a rival radio station, Two mm. GB. In fact, I, I was on sideline there for the continuous call team. And one of the great roars I ever heard, fui moi Moimoy scores in that corner, that northwestern corner, and the crowd just went up. And you thought, holy dooly, Parramatta are going to win this.
2: Yeah, that was my first year. I thought grand finals would come every single year. They're yeah. so easy. Um, we almost didn't win another game for the next 10 years. <laughs>
4: yeah. The, the, uh. the But when he scores fui moi Moimoy, I, I was watching because Hayne was wearing that cloak of invincibility. Yeah. And I was just watching him. I was like, I have my own player cam on Hayne. He was very quiet the last seven minutes.
2: Yeah, well, when Philly scored, I thought we were going to win. It was the first time we, we starting to build momentum. It was that we had that same feeling we had for the three months prior to that that you know, we, we got this game, and we just ran out of time. But I still remember there was a call where Philly made a tackle on Billy Slater with about five minutes ago, and Billy got up to play, and he dropped it. And he could have gone on either a knock-on or a penalty against Philly for being in the ruck too long, and they blew the penalty, and then you know, GI goes down the field. Gets a field goal, and that's all she
4: wrote. It was a very close game. People forget how close that game yeah. was in 2009. Uh, here we go here. So, okay, this is a very stark reminder about how precious life can be. And this is an article, that's an exclusive in the Daily Telegraph, and I'll, I'll read you some of this of the article. And uh, it, it's a very, very powerful story. David Riccio writes the yarn. It is about one of the greats of the game, but I'll set that up in a moment. I heard an almighty moan and I knew it was Gaz's voice speaking about the great Gary Jack. This is from Farnsworth, the coach uh, there of the jiu-jitsu. As I looked over at him, I could see him falling. Luckily, he was near the edge of the crash mat on the floor and that's what he hit his head. I put him in the recovery position and I was just yelling out, Gaz, Gaz, and shaking him. The colour of his face was strange. He went white and then grey, so I knew there was something dramatically wrong. Then all of a sudden, he tried to violently turn to his belly and I saw his lips... Start to go blue. Two other instructors were beside me and I said, I'm commencing CPR. I yelled at someone to dial triple O and then I remember in that moment that we had a defibrillator machine, I screamed out to get the D and I'm pumping away on his chest and in the meantime I'm thinking he's gone. The man we're talking about is Gary Jack, who's a great of rugby league. He joins us on the line now after a very harrowing week. Uh, day, Jimmy. Hey Joel, that's uh
5: that sounds pretty scary, that what you just said. Um, <laughs> it's all too close all too close to me uh i don't remember all that sort of stuff i was unconscious at that stage mm. but that's uh that's what happened mate yes
4: you're turning 60 on sunday and uh to think like you're a healthy 59 year old you're a black belt in yeah. jujitsu, and it just yeah. doesn't discriminate does it life sometimes and uh, what, 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 what's going through your mind now jimmy Oh look, it was just a big shock, mate. I so said I
5: looked after myself, and I thought I, you know, I train three times a week and I keep fit. And then I didn't even know I had a cardiac arrest. I didn't even know what a cardiac arrest was. I thought they were all heart attacks, but I didn't realise this one was different. Um, it just uh, your heart gets in that rhythm, and um, you just you lost, lost consciousness. You don't breathe, and um, I didn't realise uh, how how critical how how you know they're deadly how deadly they were. So um, to to for the CPR is, is really what it's about, making sure that look, Simon gave me the CPR, and that's what kept me alive for that yeah. eight minutes before the Yambos got there. So if he doesn't do the CPR, by the time the Yambos get there, it's it's all over. Yeah. So you know, that, that CPR set me up for when they gave me the defib, which kept me alive. And I, uh, Simon Farnsworth, the gentleman's name, he's, a, he's been my... my black belt um, instructor for 20 years we're best mates and now i love him more like a, uh, than anyone in the world at the moment uh, forever forever we'll be just close mates and um it was his close actions that, that that gave the ambulance bloke something to work on when they got there
3: yeah he will play an important part in your family now jimmy what about the defibrillator how how important is the message uh, to everyone to having one of those on site
5: yeah, Scotty. Well, it, it, obviously, you know, it means that, that if, if I'm if I'm walking to Canada or I'm walking in the forest or whatever, and I'm want to go for a hike, if anything does happen to me again, it just means I've got some insurance, there, Scotty? That that I, it will kick in and it'll, it'll keep me alive. So that that's the reason why. Really, he said to me, he said, would you like to defibrillate? We need to want to put one in. And I said to the doctor, I said, is it optional? And he said, (laughs) said, is it optional? (laughs) My wife nearly fell off. She nearly fell off the chair when I said that to her. Uh, so you said it's not optional. You're getting one.
4: <laughs> that was it. Hey, that was it. A hey, boy's famous story uh, about the defibrillator was uh, many years ago. Kerry Packer, I understand, yes. was saved by a defibrillator. Oh, so yeah. he then invested in to make sure that every ambulance in Australia would have a oh, defibrillator, yeah. defibrillator
2: as well. Yeah, Gary said, so do you have an yeah. in- inbuilt one now? So that's part yes. of. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So-
4: it, 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 it's a small one, which is just just below my
5: below my um, yep. my collarbone, mm. and there's a, there's a lead that goes from that into my heart. Uh, which connects the two together, so yeah that that was six weeks that I was put in, so that will um that'll keep me that'll keep me alive but uh, yeah Kerry Packer said there's nothing there, you know, I remember saying there's nothing there wherever, wherever there is, we you know like the afterlife, and I've got to agree with him because where I was, um there was nothing there. all I kept thinking about was i've got I kept standing up and I'm watching myself from up in a, in, in this room, I was looking down at myself, and I just kept falling over and falling over, I just couldn't get up, I couldn't find my feet, mm. and I said, I've got to get out of here. Because I got a wedding to go to, I can't stay here. I have to get out of here. I can't. St- I don't know how long I was thinking of that for, and that that I think that desire and wanting to get out was what got got me out. Got, well, brought me back to life. But let me tell you, there's nothing there. It's overrated. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, mate, reading your story, it uh, it actually hit pretty close home. One of one of my best mates, and he's he used to play at t- Tigers as a junior. He played a few first yep. grade games for the Eels in in the nineties. Jason Stewart he was our wrestling coach at Parramatta for for years and um same thing very healthy uh, and you know about four years ago he had a very similar situation and he's got a yeah. defibrillator and my question is is how do you find like you know, I know jason's journey you know for someone that's so active and someone that's always so healthy you know having to pull back and and you know kind of you know tighten the reins a bit and not be as active as you should for the next yeah. you know, little while how do you, how do you think you'll find that hmm.
5: I don't know, Tim. Um, I, I've, it's only been it's only been six weeks since they put in that. Look, they've all said to me, I can go back to jiu-jitsu. I can go back to full training. You know, it might take another three or six months for I'm back training uh, properly again. So so I'm hopeful that, that I can, you know, that, that it won't restrict me. Or maybe I might have to just change some certain things that I do um, when, when I wrestle. But, um, you know, they said to me, oh, I, can, I can have a full recovery. So, you know, I mean, time will tell. But, yeah, you know, the doctors are optimistic that, that I'll be okay, mate.
3: Hopefully you don't have to get put in one of those kamoras or something like that, Jimmy. Now, um, one thing I'm really concerned about, Jimmy, is the the yeah. possibility of having another heart attack watching your beloved Tigers yeah. this year. Is, is that possibly no. a, a chance of you having another heart
5: attack? No, I, I think they're they're a bit of a smoky. I, I, oh. I think they're going to make the top four. Oh, you have go yeah, crazy. No. No. <laughs> Thanks, What Who was
4: that? Was Timmy. That was Timmy. That was us. I'm, go,
5: I'm gonna put Timmy in a Kimura. No, yeah. <laughs> so I think that I think he's recruited well at Madge, and I think they're in for a, a really good year. It's taken a couple of years to sort of clean the place out, and I think it's it's all going well for the
4: Tigers for this year. And um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to 2021. Yeah, I agree. Well, Jimmy, you crafted yeah. your, your, your trait uh, at fullback. Young Dane Laurie, have you seen much of him so far? And if you have, what do you think about the young fella?
5: Oh, look, I haven't seen much of him, Joel. I haven't seen much of him, so I can't really say. I've heard big raps about him. Like I hadn't seen much of you played too in your younger years too, yeah. but you know you surprised me at how good a fullback you were. So I'm sure he'll be he'll be a great player for the Tigers, just as you were.
4: Thank you very much, sir. Uh, and 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 if either of us, well, I certainly didn't, but if Dane can have a career that's anywhere uh, near yours, Jimmy Jack, uh, yeah. yep. he'll be very very blessed. Uh, so, mate, uh, are, you, are you in a good headspace at the moment following what's yeah. happened? Yeah, 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 mate. Look, the first honestly, the first month I was. Uh, very emotional
5: and very, uh, you know, to come that close. Uh, I did. I didn't realise it was eight minutes. So I thought it was about six, but I didn't realise till today it was eight. So you don't realise how close you come. And like I was fit. I had. I've mm-hmm. got. I had no chest pain, n- no numbness in my fingers. I had nothing. I had no premonition at all. So I mean, go and see a great cardiologist to do a CT angiogram, cardio angiogram, because that's how you know if you've got a blockage. And I had no. I'd. I'd seen one for the last three years. Of course what happened with Stephen Folks, you know, he passed away mm, two or three yeah. years ago. So I'd, I'd made an effort to make sure I'm, I'm on top of that sort of stuff. So if something did happen, um, they would be aware of it. But, you know, my wife my didn't pick up on it. So, um, you know, <laughs> luckily for me uh, that I'm still here. Um, so, you know, make sure you see a, a good cardiologist and get that, that, that cardio angiogram, which will tell you if you've got a blockage, um, which,
4: which would have saved me yeah, 12 months ago. So yeah, that that is probably the the one thing you want to learn out of this program. Is Jimmy Jack is saying going? Just repeat what you said then, please, Jimmy, because this could have a, a yeah. massive bearing on somebody else.
5: Yeah, yeah like if you if you're forty, forty five, fifty, and and you just want to make sure that your heart's okay, the, the only way you'll know if your heart's okay that is by getting a cardio a CT cardio angiogram, which they go up through you through through the vein in your groin and they and they put some dye in there and they'll see if there's a blockage when when they did that with me, they found that my uh, what they call it the widow maker goes right across your heart from the right at one side to the other. I had a hundred percent blockage there, which wow, which, wow. which my previous doctor had not cardio had not picked up for three years because ne- he never sent me for an angiogram. Yeah. He just sent me for a, just for a stress test and that sort of stuff. So stress test, if you really want to know, you've got to have the CT cardio angiogram. Then you'll know how you are. And you know it was too it was too late for me. But law oh, wasn't too late for me. And, but they fixed it up. They put a couple of stents in and you know I'm, I'm like, like brand new now so I'm running on four cylinders I'm, I'm revved up I'm ready to come off the bench on the weekend if that <laughs> needs me I'm ready to I'm ready to play <laughs> so I'm I'm very I'm a very lucky boy
2: Gary it's Timmy man uh do they know what causes that like do they do they give you any idea of what
5: yeah yeah, with me, with me, Tim. I think it was. Uh, it's in my history. It's my, my my mum had mum had problems, my mum's brothers and sisters. But it's a family issue on, yep. on my mother's side. My dad's side was okay. So just the fact that it was on my mother's side, she, she had a couple of stints put in. You, you should. I should have gone for that angiogram straight away. Yeah, okay. You know, yeah. Um, so that's, that's what I think it was because I watch what I eat, and I watch what I drink. I don't, you know, I'm like pretty responsible for that sort of stuff. So for it to happen to be 100% blocked, it's just, and, and I had no warning. It's, the doctor said to me, it's a bit like if you're driving down Parramatta Road, this is the blood, and it wants to go from one side to the other, and Parramatta Road's busy, it takes all the side streets. So it goes all the side streets to get there. And I thought, wow. So the blood was getting through, but not through the main artery, yeah. it was going back ways to, to, to connect. So that's why the doctors thought I was okay.
3: Well, yeah. Paramount Road will give you a heart thought, attack anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
4: very, very, very true. Hey, Jimmy, uh, just, you, yeah. I actually um, I know young Ben who, who was first on scene for Foxy. Yes. He's a son in law for Foxy. And, and Foxy was also exercising at the time. He was on a stationary he bike. He was too. So, yes, is yes, there yeah, something to that, Jimmy? I, I noticed in the article yes. written by David Riccio, it was 34 degrees the day where he you, you had this situation. Is there anything to do with, yes. with that, do you think?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was 34 degrees, and, and I didn't know I had a blockage. And it also it could be a blockage or it could be the electrical side of your heart. There's two sides of your heart, electrical and the blockage. And so my plumbing was a problem. My electrical side was okay, which is that they can check that to see if you, if that impulse goes up every second, which keeps your heart ticking over. So that was okay. So so if there was a blockage on that hot day, it just, um, it just missed a beat because I said I'd, I'd jog for five or ten minutes. My heart rate was up there. And um, it, it just it just got into that rhythm, and once it gets into that tracky fibrillation rhythm, it can't get out of it. The only way to get out of it is to shut down, and that's when you die. So uh, there's no other way So I'm sure with folks he being so fit as what he was, um, he'd have been on his bike. Um, you know it, it can happen to anyone, and it, I think that may have happened to him but for it to be so sudden, um,
4: and then there's no one there with him, so which is the really unfortunate thing that no one was there with him when it happened. It's really sad. Best tip of the day, it is a Saturday and it is a race day, but the best tip of the day comes from Gary Jack. Jimmy Jack, he says, get yourself, uh, particularly if it's in the family, a CT cardio angiogram. Uh, Jimmy Jack, uh, very, very pleased that, look, you're on the front cover. You could have been on the front cover for a very, very different reason. We're pleased to say that uh, we still have the great Jimmy Jack. Thanks, Joel. It's it's great to be alive. Every day is a
5: Saturday and Sunday. You know, you don't stress out, mate. You know, you just just enjoy every day. Just having a coffee and just listening to to, to music, just the simple things in life are the real pleasures because you never know when they may not be around. So I'm just very lucky. And I hope to be here for another 30 years, mate. You know, so
4: I'm not going nowhere. No, bullet dodged. And uh, happy birthday for Sunday, Jimmy. Happy Happy birthday, Jimmy.
5: Thanks, Joel. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Scotty. All the
4: best, guys. See you, mate. Jimmy Jack. Eh? What uh, a legend. There he goes. Uh, hey. Timmy Manor thinks there might have been some kind of symptoms lingering around him the <laughs> Tigers the Tigers top four, like yeah. putting the boot in there. <laughs> I, I don't agree, but uh, gee.
3: Uh, I do agree they're going to be a smokey. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you know they're going to be fit. They look fit.
4: They you look fit. You know they're really going to be fit, disciplined.
3: Yeah. And Jimmy makes a really good point. Madge doesn't suffer fools. No. And he's had the ability to just clean out a few and bring in some really hardened professionals like a Jimmy Tamo and and co, who just, they just know how to get things done. So, yeah, I I think they're going to be really difficult to beat.
4: Madge Maguire, uh, I think it was his second year at Wigan, won the the premiership. Within three years at South Sydney, won a premiership. This is his third year. This is his team, Madge Maguire. They take on the Canberra Raiders on Sunday. Uh, how do you see this, boys? Possible upset? No, Bateman. How's life after Bateman for the Canberra Raiders? Well,
2: I'm a big fan of Madge. I think I think Madge's is, uh, is starting to build his team now. I and, agree with you, Timmy. Yeah.
3: He's a coach. I feel as though you would have loved to have played under.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the, I, I, without going too much into it, there was a time there where I was talking to Madge about going to Tigers for a little bit, um, and just just half the reason I wanted to go was because of the way he was talking, yeah. and then, uh, he's he's a kind of player, uh, kind of coach that you know players would you know want to play for. Um, and, you know, he's just got a lot, of, uh, a lot of respect in the way he talks and the way he handles his team. Um, and, you know, now he's built his own team, and it's, it's going to be interesting to see how he goes over the next couple of years. I think um, watching the trial game, they look fit, and with the new rules, I think they're going to go a long way with their fitness. We'll I don't about, know if it's top four, as Jimmy was saying, but they'll be, they'll be up in the top eight. We're I talking
3: about last night, which might surprise you, Tim, and the listeners that weren't listening to Sugar and I last night, is that the Tigers outside of Melbourne, they're the best opening round winning yeah. team. Yeah, right. the Tigers because they're so fit because they, they've they got a real de- uh, defensive mentality as well and they've had some good coaches there Timmy Sheens was there for a number of years and he's got a great uh, winning record as well so and I mean the Canberra Raiders can put 30 on any of the best of teams but if there's going to be one team that can probably out defend them mm. it's the Tigers.
4: Yeah we're going to have a lot of fun after the break this is crunch time by the way uh, you can have your say 0457 736 736. you can call us as well 1300 one eleven seventy Crunch time with thanks to Red Rooster. Delicious, crunchy, new fried chicken by Red Rooster available at selected restaurants. The Rooster's calling. Here's a text message coming in from Raphael. Uh, Jack, Hetherington played well, but Dallin with Tenny's Lesniak makes too many errors. By the way, Tim, your father did a great job in my kitchen at Doonside a while back. <laughs> he loves his dogs too. Is your dad a dog supporter?
2: He's a, Yeah, well, he's a Tyler. firstly. Um, so that's what he was doing there. He, no, he's very flimsy with who he supports. <laughs> uh, I, would, I wouldn't know who he supports. <laughs> My family does traditionally go for the Bulldogs before I played. Yeah. Um, and they used to always ask for me tickets to the para- Dogs games. Oh. And i will be playing that game and they'd all come in their doggies, jerseys yeah. to, to watch me play. It, so... Wasn't great. Support. Were you a
3: doggies fan growing up as well? Growing up, yeah, really? but I got a Johnny, as well, was
2: was he a doggies fan? Yeah, but like we both ended up at Parra as fourteen year olds. Yep. So it was pretty quick. You know, when you're playing in the in the blue and gold colours, and you know, it's you, you make your change pretty quickly. So as a 14, 15 year old, I started supporting Parramatta. But yeah, as a kid, yeah, it was a big, big Bulldogs. Fan. Wow,
4: Timmy, remind me of the game. I was at this game and it was chockers. I reckon there was about eighty thousand people for a semi final, Canterbury versus Parramatta. Yeah, what, what, what year was that?
2: Two thousand and nine, I was to get into the Grand Four. Oh that was to
4: make the Grand yeah, Fall. So yeah. you won that game, yeah, yeah, wow.
2: Got my first try of that game. Did um, you? Well when I scored my try, this is how much my family loved the bullogs. They'll watch some of them were watching at my auntie's house. <laughs> And when I scored, she walked out of the house and didn't come back. <laughs> she was that upset. That, no. Massive oh. crowd, wasn't it? I remember it was a massive yeah, crowd. Yeah, massive well, it was the final. first time I'd done that, you, mm. you, when you bought your ticket, they asked who you supported. So you came out of the tunnel, and one side of the hut oh, okay. was literally blue and white. Great one side idea. And because yeah. it was a close game, the whole game was just the raw really EPL
4: like, isn't it? Oh, it was yeah. outstanding. standing mm. uh, Christian Inu, was he an eel or a bull that year? He was an eel that year. He was yeah. an eel. Yeah, he had
2: a good year that year too, actually. He was an
4: eel that year. There you go. Well, some great memories here. He made a grand final for us at Para
2: that year. Then he went to uh Bullogs made a grand final with them. Went to Warriors, made a grand he did final too. with them. So he's had I he – I don't think he's won one yet, but he's had a few in, under his belt. That Remember Charlie smile.
3: Sheen? Remember Charlie Sheen in Major League when he used to have that little shimmy and he'd look up and it was it was sort of his calling sign? Yeah. When Chris and Inu did that little smile wow. when he was about to kick a goal, the crowd got yeah. crazy. Oh, it was
4: yeah. great. Yeah. And then he ended up getting that uh, mouth guard with the teeth marks on Great <laughs> character. What are some of those other little traits and quirks that players had? Like the Inu smile, let us know. 0457 736 736. Ah, uh, yes, this is crunch time. Thanks to Red Rooster. Crunchy fried chicken by Red Rooster. Looking forward to having that very, very shortly at 2pm because, Timmy Manor, we get a bit of a break then. Sats, likewise. Uh, Jimmy Smith and Brett kamali they are preparing for SCN League NRL Nation from 2pm to 5pm. You'll have the call of the Warriors taking on the Gold Coast Titans. So we welcome your company there as well. Morning, boys. Uh, well, afternoon, boys, now. is not it been a Titans member 11 years all the way from Perth Can't wait to see what kind of year we have, Brayden. uh, What do you think, boys?
3: Uh, I'm anticipating a lot better year. I think they'll make the top eight. I think they've got the ability without any injuries and everything going the right way. I think they've got the ability to be a top four side. Mm. AJ Brimson at fullback, uh, good wingers, uh, Brian Kelly. Uh, You've got um, Jamal Foggy, a really good control. Then their forward pack is one of the best forward packs in the competition. They lack they lack a potent number nine. Yeah. And Timmy's talking about how important the number nine is. Uh, Mitch Rain, good player. Uh, But in saying that, I think they're going to play finals this year. I I think they've got a pretty impressive lineup. He's a good coach. Their their greatest asset is Justin Holbrook. He is a tremendous guy and a tremendous coach.
4: Coaching's everything, boys. And and I'll say this because the last 15 premiers, there's only been eight coaches. Mm. Mm. Eight coaches in the last 15 years. The coach is absolutely everything. Uh, when you're trying to win a competition. There are many teams in this competition who uh, their range is so big. They could finish on the cusp of the top four or they could get the wooden spoon. There's so many teams in that bracket. You get disorientated, so to speak, when trying to plot where a team's going to come, just like Justin Olam o- the other night. Hughes, Monks. Oh, Justin Olam. Oh, a lot to of that. those are called forward, but not tonight. And I'm happy. I'm fine. But what? Right oh, I'm saying, oh, oh no, Justin Olam,
1: what's yes. he doing? Oh, where's he going? He's <laughs> planted towards Richmond.
4: <laughs> yes, uh, there you go. Uh, Rabs, of course. Fox called it, and Channel Nine called it. Here's how the Channel Nine uh, description was of the Justin Olam debacle.
5: Fascinated by Seagull. Oh, Olam has put it down. Knocked backwards, said the referee.
4: Whoops. Oh,
5: face
3: Touch oh, Touch it. Touchdown. the <laughs> third Lost ball. He just drops Adam. the ball here. Yes. Scrum in the middle. Oh, right.
5: Adam. Adam. I think he he's still set of Knock on. He's not knocked out. he he's got up the place. He's <laughs> the ball goes backwards and they say play on. Play on. Justin thinks he's made a boo-boo.
2: Gets up and just throws he doesn't try to play it, does he? he? Gets up, just throws
5: the ball away. He's facing to some Kilda.
4: Well, let's get to the bottom of Firstly, oh. uh, <laughs> Vossi's got him facing Richmond.
3: No, 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 no. I just listen to that. Right. He plays the ball towards Richmond. So, oh, he so plays the ball right. towards Richmond. He plays the ball towards Richmond. Yes, and. and Just says he's facing St Kilda. See,
4: they're great commentators, aren't they? The accuracy from both. And they (laughs) they just come up with different perspectives. It was wonderful commentating there for Justin Olem. uh, Plenty of text messages coming through. uh, Talking about quirky things you see in rugby league. Hey, Sugar, Sats and Tim, one of your former teammates, Timmy, if the Eels were leading late in the game, the famous Kenny Edwards... Cramp would, would strike, infuriated opposition fans, including me. But you had to laugh. Cheers, Jase.
2: Yeah, infuriated some teammates as well. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about different uh, cats. Yeah. Kenny Edwards um, is a different cat. You know, yeah, it's there was two things. It was kind of bittersweet. I I, I hate it as a as a player, um, but and also knew it meant I was close to getting a win, so yeah. I knew the win was around the corner. So I always enjoyed <laughs> that. But uh, I can't understand why probably opposition teams didn't like it very much. I
3: remember I went back and played after about four or five years after I retired. I, I promised a mate that I'd go back and play a couple of games in the Gold Coast comp. And we played against a club called Parkwood. And Kenny Edwards played for Parkwood. This is before he went down to Sydney. Mm. And he chased me for 80 minutes wow. and just <laughs> tried to annihilate yes. me. Yes. Young kid just sledged me. <laughs> and after the game came up, yeah, hey, bro, he gave me a cuddle. Oh, what you yeah, that
4: sounds, like him. yeah that sounds like him. <laughs> that, that's the problem, Timmy, where you are too smart. When you retire from first grade rugby league, when you expose yourself to the local footy, there's a massive target.
3: Hey, he's only recently retired. But he hasn't gone gone and played...
2: There's no way. I've had a few offers to, uh, and my body can is Can we isolate kind of that little
3: that little bit of audio there? Because yeah. I reckon Timmy Manor will go back and play a
2: game in Community I can 40 can one I yeah. guarantee you. I'll put my house in it. I'll never,
4: ever <laughs> Zero play interest. ever again. Zero interest, yeah. he says. Uh, there you go. Uh, now, plenty of other text messages coming through. Brad from Heathcote writes, Hey, boys, do you remember when Arva C. I for the Sharks <laughs> entered the second half at the wrong end of the field? Yes. Uh, well, we've got that, actually. Hey, Amen's nodding here. We've got that. Have a listen to this.
5: As he's gone to the wrong end of the field.
3: Whoops! See you,
5: man. He was all ready to hit it up and he's thinking now. If they kick it to my end, now he's got to run 100 meters all the way up the other end to get back into position.
3: Uh, now he's got to tell his teammates that he did that on purpose. That's, just loosen that's, up.
5: That's focus. <laughs> That's focus. Nothing was going to distract him from his job.
3: Well, he'd be too tired to take a hit-up early in this set.
5: What I don't know is what he thought he was doing in the first half.
4: Because he's been down that
5: end already for 40
1: minutes.
4: Ah, <laughs> you... uh, yes. Do you remember that, boys? Uh, man, if and I heads to the far southern end of the field. He looks up. He's with the other team, and his whole teammates <laughs> are there at the other end. That'll help uh, for the Telstra tracker stats.
2: Mate, Oregon has happened to me at least four times. So what what I, what would happen is I'll do the coin toss before a game and I'd drag our team manager Jason Irvine to come yeah. just so he knows what happ- which way we're running cuz I don't want to make sure I get confused and at least four times in the first two months I brought him with me, he sent me the wrong way. City. So I'm leading the team out. I run me. out one side, and I'll see they're all set yeah. up. I'm like, all right, we're he's going. Telling so, he's <laughs> telling
3: stories to his mates now, saying I used to go to the coin toss with Tim, and I just deliberately tell him to go the other way. I wouldn't end. be surprised. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't
2: be surprised. I, I
4: remember interviewing Aaron Woods uh, once at Fox League, actually. He was the captain of the Tigers, and I was interviewing him, and he said, mate, make sure you have the cameras on uh, Chris Hyington. I said, why is that? He said, he's playing a milestone match. And Chris Hyington's not a fanfare type. He yep. just likes to float through with everyone else. So what uh, Woodsy had teed up was he got to lead the team out, being the Molestone match, Chris Hyington, and Woodsy kept everyone else back for about three minutes. So Hino's out in the field by himself, just sort of looking around and hating the fanfare <laughs> and, and, and the spotlight going on him. Uh, making some news here, by the way, Toru Harris, he uh, re-signs until 2024. Look, this, this pack, uh, I'm personally tipping... The Warriors, gentlemen. I just think this pack, so he's re-signed. He was probably one of their best players last year, Tohu Harris. for Fanua, Blake, mm. Ben Murdoch, Masilla coming to the side. You're back three. You've got them back. We were speaking to Matty Johns the other day. You've got Mamalo and Fusatua who left early last year to go home. They're back with uh, the fullback Roger Roger Tuovasashek, motivated for his last year. Tell you what, I think, you know, Gus speaking of which, we just heard the commentary of Gus Gould. Nathan Brown's there. It's blue sky. Now, Peter O'Sullivan's been there for a few years now who's head of recruitment. I've uh, got a sneaky chance they're playing finals in 2021, boys.
2: Well, we spoke about tight ends, and I've got a lot of time for Justin Holbrook. I think he's building a great side there, and they proved a lot of people wrong last year. The only challenge they're going to have this year is they're going to have expectation on them this year, and they haven't had that for, for years mm. where people expect them to go well. So there's going to be a bit more pressure on them to go well. Uh the Warriors that's you look at their pack, it's a strong pack. And there's not even um Kane Evans is not even even there, but um yeah. you know you look at the depth they've got in that team. Um, you know, it's gonna be you, if you're gonna play then you've got to turn up in the middle and ready ready to go or otherwise they'll roll you. Ewan
3: you Aiken is one of their signings as well. Peter Hick, who's been a proven performer for a number of years in the NRL. Cody Nikarima who finished off the season sensationally last year, as did Chanel Harris Tavita. And the the ones you mentioned, uh, Joel. On top of that, Jermaine tanoa Brown, who I think is going to be a very good front rower in two or three. When he gets sixty or 70 1st grade games under his belt, then there's young back rower Elisa Katoa, who only started oh, playing yeah. rugby league at the age of seventeen. Yeah, and he's still only twenty. Yeah, he could be anything. Superstar, absolutely anything.
4: Yeah, you mentioned tanoa Brown as well. Uh, he is a star as well. Hey boys, uh, this is uh, this is probably explains a lot of the success for Tom Brady, where he thinks big, and he clearly doesn't need the money either. But Tom Brady, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, agreed to extension. Now, I just want you guys to try and decipher what's happened here. Now, quarterback Tom Brady, this has been reported by ESPN, has signed a contract extension with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, while the Bucs did not reveal any details, sources told ESPN's Adam Schefter that it is a four-year contract extension. It's a what? 4 well, Good on well he signed I
3: signed originally for two years. Yes, didn't
4: he? I think I know where we're going here. So it's a four-year contract extension that voids a one-year extension, right? So this ties uh, Brady to Tampa through the twenty-two season. The move saves the Buccaneers nineteen million against the salary cap this year. So are they signing him for four years, averaging that out? Yes. Yep. And therefore, they're going to carry even if he doesn't play, they'll be carrying his contract over the four years, which allows him particularly this, I suppose we call it here in Australia, a premiership window, Uh, they've got a chance to win another competition. So he's deferring payments by the looks of it to allow them to try and go back-to-back. Is that how you boys read it?
3: It's like the the rugby league back-ended contract. Yes. Space it out over four years, save next year, like you're saying, and if he retires at the end of next year, which everyone's anticipating he will, he may stay on some sort of consultant capacity, some sort of coaching capacity, whatever it may be. But the only thing that comes off their contract next year is... I think what fifteen million dollars or twelve million dollars or something. Yes. Instead of the normal thirty and thirty million dollars. <laughs> yes. I love it. That that's
2: just you know, yeah. Twelve million dollars. Our yeah, exactly. whole salary yeah. cap here is nine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I
4: know. And, and uh, there was an article which I'll try and dig out as well. I might bring it up after the break. Uh, an article around uh, our main uh, basketballer, the big fella, um, re- recently retired. His name's alluded to me.
3: Oh, the great uh, Australian. Andrew Bogart,
4: Andrew Bogut, uh, talking about the house he's trying to build, his dream home down there in Melbourne. I'll dig that out. But the money that they're talking about, it's just crazy. Good luck to him.
3: And isn't it funny? i listen to a really good podcast, the Howie Games. I don't yes. always listen to them. He, he talks to Luke Longley, and he's an intriguing character. He's, I, I don't think we appreciate how, how good Luke Longley was, to go and win three titles with the Bulls, play with Jordan, whatever yeah. it may be. But when he came back, he went and lived in like a recluse in this little tiny seaside town in Western Australia and didn't want any of the fanfare, didn't want any attention. He's now recently come out to help out Australian basketball. and uh, But it, but he went the exactly the opposite way where a lot of professional sports people, and we see a lot of them, t- Timmy, even in rugby league where five years after they've retired, they can't show anything for what they've earned through yeah. rugby league or whatever it may be. It's, it's happens a lot in the American sports as well, but he went the exact opposite. He went to, minimal spending, yep. saved a lot of his money, invested really well, but just wanted to live in total anonymity.
2: There's an ESPN doco called uh, Broke. I knew you were going to go there. Oh, gee, that's, yeah, it's, it's frightening. frightening to watch. Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah, It's something like... 78% uh, of NFL players end up broke within two years of retirement. Mm. Broke or divorced within yeah. two years, exactly right. Andrew Bogut doesn't like losing. Uh, so basically, he is um, having trouble with the council. He's trying to spend $4.7 million on his forever home. Now, in this forever home... He's got a half-sized basketball court, a swimming pool, gym sauna, massage room, roof terrace, uh, and it goes on and on and on. It is three-storey, uh, $4.7 million, a 16-vehicle car stacker. What? Uh, this is down at Bayside, which is uh, probably a flashy suburb down there in Victoria, I suppose. Uh, the, the plans have generated 59 objections and 26 letters of support, so he's having a lot of trouble getting it through the Bayside Council. I reckon a lot of that's tall, Poppy. Who cares? Like, yeah. we why do people get so flustered when people are trying to do something? There's always somebody who's got to complain. Anyway, we've got to take a break. Stay with us right here. This is Crunch Time with thanks to Red Rooster. Delicious, crunchy new fried chicken by Red Rooster available at selected restaurants. The Rooster's calling. Stay with us. Crunch Time, Timmy Manor, Scotty Sattler. I'm Joel Kane. I'm looking most forward to, boys. Warriors taking on the Titans. I agree,
3: yeah.
4: uh, both teams, and, and really, I know it's only round one, but two points are worth two points in round one, as they are in round 24. And it's one of those games where. Both these teams could easily be on the fringe of making the top eight, and therefore, when you go to round 24, it might be these two points who ultimately matter, i.e. it's a four-point swing, potentially so early in the competition. I am uh, can't wait for this particular game. I'll be tipping the Warriors, boys. Uh, how do you see it going?
3: Oh, I see the Warriors. Uh, when in doubt, I just always take the team that is, doesn't have to travel the furthest yeah. or they're, they're at home. And I know this is not their home, Central Coast, but... It is their second home. It's their it's their spiritual home, I suppose. They've adopted that, and the Central Coast people have adopted them, has, as have a lot of other rugby league fans. So I'm going to take the Warriors, but I can't tell you why. I just got, I've got no understanding of why. Mm. When you when you go player for player, Roger tuivasa up against AJ Brimson. Now Roger wins that, mm. but I think we agree by the end of the season AJ Brimson may be one of the best front mm. uh, fullbacks in the game, and so player by player, there's not much that separates both these sides. So. What I think separates both of them is Roger Tuivasa-Sheck.
2: Yeah, they both finished a year off in great form. I think uh, I'm going to go with Titans this game. And I just think I'm going to go with them because this big Warriors pack, while it's great and they're going to be great towards the middle of the time of the year once they've got a bit of game fitness under their belt, I think uh, the first few rounds they might feel a bit of the heat yeah, with the yeah. new rules and the, the quick pace of the game. So I'm going to go with the Titans. I was talking
3: to Justin Holbrook a couple of weeks ago at, at, uh, at training and I said to him, how are you finding Tino? Yeah. This kid's 20, remember, and he's come from Melbourne, a great system, wins a comp, play state of origin, but still so raw when it mm. comes to his rugby league intellect. He said, in my short history in rugby league as a player and as a coach, I've never seen a man of his size train as good as what Tino does. He said he has brought an absolute, um, a, a completely different focus to training, just the numbers that he throws up, the 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 distance that he can run at at top speed and maintain it for long periods of time. is up there with the outside backs with consistency on his on his fitness.
2: Did you see his try in the, the troll game a yeah, couple of weeks ago? No, yeah. I missed that. Mm. He scored it. blitz. They actually played only a few weeks ago. About 40 metres. Yeah, was 16-all draw. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but he, he was outstanding. So I can't wait to see him play. I think going to a new team as well, he's going to feel like a leader and a senior player. Whereas that the Melbourne Storm was always going to be junior for a while there, yeah. whereas he's going there and people are looking up to him, even though he's only a kid.
4: Mm. Yeah, uh, this is maybe why you're tipping the Warriors' sets. Uh, their last 19 games, Warriors have won how many? You reckon
3: against the Titans? Yeah. They've um, they've. been, they've, I know they've lapped them a few times. I'm going to say 15. 16. Yeah. 16 really? or 19.
4: Yeah, that's an imposing record, isn't it? Now, the Gold the Coast Titans. had a great
3: record at, against Newcastle, as i yesterday, right. didn't they? That's right. Yeah.
4: As Gus said, uh, the r- number one rule when it comes to hoodoos is don't mention the hoodoo. <laughs> and the Titans finish it. Now, this is where, is it fool's gold or not? And I'm not as bullish around the Titans as many are. I'm more bullish around the Warriors. They ended the season with five straight wins. Yep. You're not playing for a lot at that stage of the season, right? And this is another one where American analysts really break this down. Last year, they had five games decided by six points or less. Now, usually they should be about a 50-50, right? So last year, they won four of those games out of the five. So when you're factoring in the next season wins, typically you should go, okay, well... That should be two and a half out of the five. knots. So there's one and a half where they may be overachieved as well. So I'm less bullish on the Gold Coast Titans. I do think they'll have a good season. And you mentioned a major reason why. Justin Holbrook is just a wonderful coach. We all agree on that. So there we go. Uh, Timmy saying the Gold Coast. Scotty Sattler and I are both saying the Warriors. Roosters and the Manly Seagulls. I think we're all tipping the Roosters, boys. Uh, No Tommy Turbo. They've lost 15 of the last 16 without Tommy Turbo. Um, So where do we land here? The Roosters win by how many?
2: Oh, I think they I think it'll be closer than people expect. But is it what's Dylan Walker gonna do? Is he playing fullback? Do we know yet? Well, well you, you know, we spoke
3: what, about this last night. Yeah. It's Desi, isn't it? Yeah, he's, he's, you <laughs> just
4: don't know what he's gonna Dylan do. Dylan Walker
3: you. may end up a dummy half. Just, <laughs> we don't know.
4: There there's no chance in the world that that one to seventeen team plays as the one to seven. I I'll be shocked if Desi Hasler does that. Yeah. Absolutely shocked.
2: I love it. I love how coaches have those quirky quirkiness about them, where they just, uh, you know, they think it's all. It's part of the game. It's oh, I love it? it. I love it. Timmy, yeah. do you think like Ricky Stewart used to love that as well? Actually, he loved coming up with a, you know, something that you know, and no one no say anything. We're doing this, and yeah.
4: What do you think about all that? Do you think you actually get an edge doing that? Uh,
2: I think I think that's what coaches live off. I think it gives them that bit of, you know, that gets the juices flowing. I think it's yeah. a you know, little secret that any only, only they know and. Um,
4: but no, I don't think it gives you an edge at all. No, it, it, it's a trusting... You know what? So we'll be doing rock, scissors, paper with someone, right? And I'll say, I'm going to throw a rock. And so I'm telling them I'm going to throw a rock. And I throw a rock. But you know how many people don't throw the paper? Yeah. They just don't trust you, do they? Yeah, That's life. It's life. life it's, it's life. It, it's, uh, it is life. I remember Johnny Lang used to say,
3: I don't care what they care about our game. I'll walk in and give them our game plan. Yeah. And I don't care where whoever plays where... They just got to beat you. Yeah. They're just yeah. going to beat you.
4: I spoke. I actually caught up with Johnny Lang uh, at a kid's birthday party. How was long he? did the
3: conversation go for?
4: Uh, well, it went for a long time because. I was
3: going to say, because he he's the best chatter of all time.
4: I, I enjoyed it thoroughly, <laughs> right? So, Johnny Lang and I, was, of all places, Cable Park at Penrith. Okay, yeah. Right? So, this is only about two weeks ago. And what happens at Cable Park, it's like a rectangle, right? And the kids, you've got to go wide, otherwise you just get slammed, right? So the kids weren't going wide, and they're all coming off in of this first turn. So Johnny Lang and I was a long back with the board. So we went and parked ourselves on the corner just to make sure everything was right with the kids. And if they go, walk back and have another go on the cable park. And we're talking about – I said, oh, Johnny, here you are in Penrith. You must be like a the chairman out here, the the the, the governor, so to speak. He said, mate, this is the first time I've been out here in years, mm. right? And, and he hadn't been out there for a long, long time. And we're talking about the season, which was – 2003, and he was talking about the omission of Colin Ward yeah. in the grand final and how, know, how hard that was. Do you know one of my most,
3: I've got goosebumps thinking yeah. about this, one of my most vivid memories of that, that night and after it is that he was 18th man, yeah. and he had an amazing season for us that he year. Did. And I remember we were all celebrating, and I remember looking up into where the, the reserves and all the officials sit. And Colin Ward was standing up, and he'd, or he'd gone and had a shower and got dressed after the warm up mm. because he wasn't needed. He had his suit on and he was clapping and he was crying. Yeah. And it's one of my most, most vivid memories that that Cole never got to be part of that officially. Yeah, because yeah. he's such a great guy and he, yeah, he missed out on the game.
4: Uh, so many players have been in that situation, yeah. you know Oh, four, five, seven, seven, three, six, seven, three, six. let us know. But he also went on to say that, it, it, that he made one error, Cole Ward, who there was so much competitiveness. And he said he would have been in the 17. And, but he was probably, I suppose, insecure about his spot in the team because of so much talent coming mm. through. And he wanted to come back and play because everyone was else. The club's going so well. The team's going well. Everyone's playing well. And he had this calf complaint. And Johnny Lang said, mate, just give it another week. He said, no, no, coach, I'm ready to go. Because he wanted to prove to the team. And he came back early. He does his calf again, sets him back another month. And it was that sort of just opened the door. For one of the young kids, like I don't know whether it was a Shane Rodney or one of those Luke kids, Swain, yeah. Luke, Luke Swain, one of those mm. kids coming through, and it cost poor Wardy a grand final, but and ultimately a premiership. So uh, anyway, have your say one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Speaking of which, uh, Panthers take on the Cowboys. I mentioned yesterday to Sats Timmy Manor mm-hmm. that there is a curse for being runner up. The Melbourne Storm, who were so consistent. Their last two runner-ups, they came out and got the minor premiership or won the premiership the following year. In fact, their last three times they were runner-up, they either got the minor premiership or won the premiership. Take them out of it, eight of the last nine. Now, when you think about markets, etc., most runner-ups are going to be considered one of the top two or three teams to win the comp the following year. Eight of the last nine runner-ups have missed the top four. Four of the last nine runner-ups have missed the top eight altogether. It's an average position of eighth position. So the Penrith Panthers in my opinion, Timmy Manor, have got to beat one team this year, and that's the 2020 Penrith Panthers. How do you see it?
2: Yeah, and I think they're going to struggle to do that. I think uh, they had a great run last year. They've got a lot of talent. I just don't think they're going to have as good a run as they did last year. I think they're going to – they'll be good and they'll be solid, but I don't think they're going to go as well as last year. So that's how do you see them going?
3: Um, I I see a a write-up today in the Telegraph saying that the the grand final loss last year was at the old – yeah, the old saying, was yeah. that the grand final loss they, had, they needed to have? I've never sort of believed in that. But to be quite honest, I, as I alluded to earlier on, I just think the loss of Jimmy Tamo and Zane Tedavano, who I, I've spoken to you about from all reports, I heard he was amazing off the field mm. when it came to training ethics and and preparation, whatever it may be. Uh, Dean Vare, who Greg Inglis once said was the hardest player to, to play against defensively because he was so... To try and beat Dean Vare defensively was really difficult but also a really humble and professional guy, they've got to fill that hole somehow with experience. And that's what concerns me about Penrith. Now, they're the closest team to my heart, and I hope I'm wrong, but I think it's going to take them longer to get going than what it did last year. I think it's going to take a while to fill that that void earlier on.
4: I remember having a, a number of conversations with Greg Alexander over the last decade, I suppose, and I was talking about the fact that, you know, Brandy maybe it's a bad gift in many ways that Penrith Panthers have always had this nursery. just chock full of talent, right? Absolute talent. And quite often when you're talking about talent, the eye-catchers are the attacking players. Mm. right? They're the attacking players. So for many, many years, Penrith have had all these super kids coming through, but maybe your Dallas Johnson types weren't making it through at Penrith because the eye-catchers were getting through. Mm. So the defensive column for Penrith for 30 years hasn't actually been that great. Even when you guys won the comp in 2003, Sats, It wasn't a terrific defensive side. It was a great attacking side. Uh, Ultimately, the Grand Final defended well. But where where I'm getting to, last year, the Penrith Panthers, that was their best defensive effort since 1991 when Gus had the Panthers win the comp. That was uh, just over 11 per game for Gus's team, just under 12 per game for Ivan's team last year. If they can produce, that's the only number I'm watching for Penrith. If they can get under 12 again, they can win the comp. Mm. If, if they can't maintain those defensive standards, by the way, that'll be 30 years. It'll be the 30-year anniversary we'll of that two, 90, yeah. 1991 victory. So that's their target. Don't worry about anything else, Panthers fans. If you can have that 11-point-something per game, you can be winning the comp. Uh, we haven't got to the – we've spoken about the Tigers and the Raiders boys. The loser of this game, I know it's round one, but the loser of this game, your sense will be under the pump. I'm talking about the local Derby, St. Georgie Lawara and the Cronulla Sharks. How do you read this, Timmy? Yeah, they left
2: a lot to, me, uh, to be longing for in the trial game. I thought uh, neither of them looked really sharp. And it's just a trial game, I know that. But looking across their team, I, I don't see either of these two teams making the eight this year. Um, but I, I reckon Dragons will be better
4: than last year. So I think Dragons the win this, uh, in this weekend's game. Okay, the Dragons to beat the Sharkies. Maddie Moylan, had, uh, he looks fit. He looks ready to go. He's all in. He needs to have a, a massive season, does Maddie Moylan, who, by the way, I only learned today, uh, he lives on the same street as Jimmy Smith, who takes the reins. At 2 p.m. So, oh,
3: G- and Jimmy's G- looking
4: fit as well. Maybe they're doing classes together. <laughs> hang
3: on a sec. What about Chad Townsend? Jimmy's always talking about Chad Townsend was yeah. always his man. Yeah, no, now no, he's it's, it's, it's
4: Matty Moylan now. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, when he used to say the neighbour, you know, he used to say, he didn't even say Chad after It was um, the neighbour, the neighbour, the neighbour. It was Chad Townsend. Yeah. It doesn't mean Chad anymore. It means Matt Moylan. Yeah, okay. okay yeah. So, so anyway, uh, Noddy and Jimmy will take the reins uh, after 2 p.m. as they gear up towards the big game, which is the Warriors taking on the Gold Coast Titans. Uh, Timmy Manners tipping the Dragons. Souths, who are you tipping? I'm
3: tipping Dragons. I don't read much into the, the trials. It's, no. it's about giving some some players that aren't going to play a lot of first grade a lot of time in the in the trials. Cherry Shield's usually a little bit different. It's always played with a little bit more yeah. passion. But in saying that, I've got a lot of faith in Anthony Griffin. I know that he's got a lot of his doomsdays at the moment that, uh, that are jumping on his back. But give him some time because what he'll do is he'll – He'll siphon out the players that aren't wearing that jersey with with um, with a lot of pride, and he'll figure out who are the players that are that are willing to to bleed for that jersey. He does that very well.
2: Yeah, I've got a few mates that are down at Dragons now, and they they speak really highly of Hook, and they say he's um, he's the right guy for the place. He's black
3: and white. He's dry, and mm-hmm. that's what they need the Dragons because you know what. They've walked on eggshells for too long. Everyone's walked around eggshells about the about the Dragons players. Oh, we've got to you know, let's not be too harsh on them. You know, we don't know how they're gonna react emotionally. No, you know what? There's the jersey. Do you wanna wear it? If you wanna bleed in it, let's go out and play and win games. If not, piss off to another club.
4: Yeah, and it's gonna be a hard watch for Corey Norman because if they go well the Dragons, he's no guarantee to walk into the side for round two after that one week suspension. But
3: he can also be the player that turns their entire season around, yeah. Of course he
4: can. Uh, by the way, this game I would suppose is is the game that is operating under the heavily under the salary cap because for the the Sharkies for has not been picked so he's the best part of 800 million dollars Sean Johnson not playing for the Sharks and Bronson Sherry still in the salary cap for the Sharks he for the St. George Illawarra yeah. Dragons DeBellin's in the cap for them McGinnis is in the cap whose season is over. So it's a challenging season for both St. George Illawarra and the Sharkies. But uh, there you go. That's crunch time, run and one, boys. Crunch time with thanks to Red Rooster. Delicious, crunchy, new fried chicken by Red Rooster, available at selected restaurants. The Rooster's calling, boys, and we'll be answering. We're about to go there and get some Red Rooster <laughs> dousing <laughs> gravy. We look forward to that. Thank you, Scotty yes. Sattler. Thank you, Amy and Brooksy, and, of course, Timmy Manor. We appreciate, boys. Brett Kamali coming up with Jimmy Smith to preview and to ultimately call on SEN League, the Warriors taking on the Titans.
0: When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender
5: Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. ba da ba Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.